0: a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Welcome back, Rebels and Imperials, to Force Ghost Coast to Coast. My name is Brian. With me this week is my friend, Multiversity podcaster Zach Wilkerson. Hello, Zach. Hey, Brian. Despite Zach having some really bad Star Wars takes on a recent episode of the DC Freecast, (laughs) I have still invited him back to...
1: (laughs) I I thought we came to the understanding that there were only bad Star Wars takes. That is true.
0: (laughs) That is true. Um... Regardless, (laughs) Regardless, <laughs> we have Zach here on the show tonight because both of us spent this last week reading the first of the Star Wars High Republic novels, Light of the Jedi, written by Charles Soule. And um, we each read a little bit of other uh, High Republic stuff. For, for, for tonight, we're going to talk about this, this book. And you had said something to me um, a couple days ago, or maybe it was just yesterday. Who knows? Time is irrelevant now about this uh you had an opinion about this star wars novel compared to other star wars novels and i want to start with that so w- what did you say to me
1: um i said that it's better than those other novels <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think i spe- specifically said that i thought that this book was like the best uh star wars book thing that i've read since uh when i read uh the thron trilogy which was we did that on this podcast i think right before force awakens came out
0: do you mean the throne trilogy the 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 original original the legends one yeah Yeah. not
1: the not the post disney one which really i guess what i should have said because i really haven't read a ton of star wars novels just in general in fact in the legend stuff, I think other than, other than like a smattering of things when I was younger, the Thrawn trilogy is the only thing that really sticks out. And I've read a handful of, um, Canon stuff since Disney took over. Um, and this blows everything that I've read so far out of the water. Like that other stuff is, is enjoyable, but this was, you know, kind of a, the next level up clearly.
0: Yeah, and I have a lot of thoughts as to why that is, uh, which we'll get to in just a minute. But for those that don't know, so the High Republic is a new publishing initiative that is going to last. I believe they said three years, right?
1: At at least, I think.
0: Um,
1: They have it's it's delineated into three phases right now, and we don't specifically know how many the how long those phases are going to last
0: i don't think i believe they said the first phase would last into early 2022 um i think i read that someplace so i'm presuming at least three years for this right but i would at least yeah but there are sort of five major uh five major authors who are a part of this but again we're not going to get too deep into sort of the overarching higher public stuff tonight i want to talk more about just this book but I do think it's important to note that these books take place approximately 200 years before The Phantom Menace, and so Yoda is in the book a little bit, but it's not, there is not a lot of leaning on characters that we know. Uh, There's a couple of family connections we'll talk about in a bit, Uh, but even that stuff, I don't think there's really any Star Wars prerequisite knowledge you need going into this, aside from just like, I think it'll be hard if you didn't know what a Jedi was, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs>
0: aside from that, uh is there anything that like you think is a prerequisite for enjoyment of this?
1: No, honestly. Um Yeah, I think that this is pretty accessible. Um in fact, I think in some ways for certain types of people, maybe like familiarity with Star Wars could make this Worse, I guess, for the for a certain type of person, not me, but for a certain person, maybe.
0: <laughs> if for, um, what, for what type of person do you think?
1: Oh, uh, 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 pe- pedants. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so me, got it. Okay,
1: sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, I don't know. Um, I could just as I was reading this, I I'll just like go ahead and tip my hand. I pretty much dug all of this. But as I was reading it, I, I could definitely pick out points where I was like, I, I could see how people wouldn't like this or I could see how people would critique this, which it's it's nice. I like from what I've seen, other than kind of like the typical like what you would expect, um, like uh pinning this as like a social justice Work and and like a, a Kathleen Kennedy brainchild, like the, the the kind of people that you would clearly expect to not like it, don't like it. But in general, I feel like the response from what I've seen has been pretty positive.
0: I have not checked out the response at all because I <laughs> for a couple of reasons. First of all, because oftentimes Star Wars, uh Twitter, and Star Wars internet in general can be pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, But also, I I feel like a lot of times when I have tried to get a gauge for something, you'll see a tweet like, you know, I loved Rise of Skywalker, except when Leia died, right? And then, like, you you get spoiled on something before you've really checked it out. (laughs) Sure. So I've I've been trying to keep a distance. And also, I think I knew I wanted to do this show tonight, and so I wanted to come into it with my own opinion and not let somebody else's opinion necessarily uh, cloud it. What's interesting is a friend of yours and mine, uh, Matthew Malikoff, founder of Multiversity Comics, He read the five-chapter preview and said, like, I don't think I'm going to like this book, so I'm not going to read it. But tell me if it's really good, and I'll give it a shot. And I've I've been struggling with that, because I feel like, on one hand, if you didn't like the first five chapters, I don't know if you'd like the rest of it. But I also feel like the first third of the book was maybe different than the rest of the book.
1: It's almost a different book, um, I think. Or not not necessarily a different book, but it feels like... It, it really does feel like two separate and complete parts in a way the the first um, the first
0: and again we we should mention that we're, we're gonna lately spoil some stuff but I don't wanna I don't want to spoil the whole book here I, I, my goal of doing this show is that people who weren't going to read this book will maybe pick it up because it's really good um but the first third of the book is basically a, a giant set piece um mm-hmm. there is a there's a there's a crash in hyperspace, which is something that shouldn't happen. And so there are literally dozens of fragments of this ship just popping out all over hyperspace. And there is a fragment that turns out to be a container full of survivors, which is going to crash down on a planet called Hetzel, which will essentially wipe out life on the planet, or at least most of life on the planet, billions of lives. And so there is this daring rescue from both Jedi and Republic forces, to basically save those people and save Hetzel. Um, that's that's a good overview of the first third of the book, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. It um it it kind of plays out like if there was a Star Wars disaster movie, you know, something like um I don't I don't know the the only thing that comes to mind is like twister or or what was that movie (laughs) day after tomorrow is that like a big yeah Mm -hmm. something like that but on on a space scale you know
0: yeah and one of the things that i think is really interesting about and really well done on soul's part as a writer is that there's sort of like four different focuses within this scene it's not like you're just looking at one um you know uh it's not like it's just one perspective here. You're seeing it from the perspective of the Republic ships. You're seeing it from the perspective of two different sets of Jedi, and you're also seeing, I guess, from, I guess, like from essentially the government's perspective, like being informed about this. So you're get you're yeah. getting to know a, a bunch of characters in this incredibly tense situation, and it, it's a very useful technique because I feel like you get to learn about who these people are through actions instead of through descriptions.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And that, that's a really useful thing from a, you know, from like a storytelling perspective. Um, do we want to talk about any characters in particular from the first third of the book?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think we can, if we want, because a lot of the, the characters and pairings that we get in the first part are carried over into the latter part of the book.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and some of them are really cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd be down to talk about some of them.
0: Okay. Uh, first, let's talk about the, the Chancellor. So it's it's interesting how this, this book instantly changes what Chancellor sort of means in Star Wars. Because I feel like for for most of the time, when you think of Chancellor, you think of Palpatine. You think of somebody abusing the position or even... um. Uh, what is what is his name? The Chancellor from the Phantom Menace.
1: Uh yeah, um, Valorum.
0: Valorum, thank you. I feel like even with Valorum, people are accusing him of being uh shady or whatever. And um, you know, here we we get uh her name is uh, Lena, is it So? Is that how we're pronouncing yeah, it? Yeah.
1: That's how I would pronounce okay, yeah. it. Yeah. Lena
0: So. And uh she seems like and I'm sure that we will get more with this character in the future that will maybe deepen her a little bit, but she seems like just the platonic ideal of a leader. She trusts the people she should trust. She distrusts the people she should distrust. She wants what's good for the Republic. And she's done a lot of things. They mentioned a number of like great works that she's done for the Republic. Yeah. Like,
1: and it's like capital, it's like capital G, capital W great works. It's like, this is her defining thing. Um, yeah,
0: and she she coins this phrase, which is "We are all the Republic," uh, and that is sort of a, a rallying cry, not just for the protagonists in the book, but you sort of see regular citizens adopting that as well. It, it becomes this this sort of um, overarching ideal that they are shooting for, and everything she does in the book is more or less in service of that. You know, there is this big um, this big plot point for this thing called the Starlight Beacon. And that is an outpost in the Outer Rim that will act as a Jedi temple, as well as a a sort of a communications booster, as well as a first aid station, as well as a museum. It's this this sort of big socialist idea of, (laughs) uh, of, uh, (laughs) of what government should be doing. And as a socialist, I am totally cool with that. But it the character i think i think this character of all of them has has the tendency to maybe come off as a little too perfect
1: so that's like a thing that's one of the things not just like her in particular but like the whole setting for the high republic one of the things that i could easily see people critiquing is that it's just very idyllic it's very it it's just I obviously like everything is not perfect because a lot of like really bad things happen. And this is actually one of the darker Star Wars stories that I think I've ever come across in a lot of ways. But all, but also it's just like everybody is just kind of like at their peak, you know? Right. And, Uh, and,
0: um, Kevin Scott who wrote the comic and who is writing, I believe the second novel in this series has compared it to Camelot, both the, um, both the Arthurian legend and also the Kennedys, which even yeah. saying that makes me want to put a gun in my mouth. But
1: Well, like, yeah, I think it was mentioned in that uh, live stream that they did. Uh-huh. And when I heard that, I really kind of groaned. Um, but then I thought about it a little bit. And you think about how Lucas originally, you know, Star Wars was like a, a riff on Vietnam and all of that stuff and how you know, the Kennedy era directly preceded that. And so if they are kind of just like, if, if Star Wars is like an American mythology, then of course this era would be that, this kind of like idealized version where things are still like, things are not perfect. And because of that, everything is going to go really badly eventually. But now we're kind of going to, we're going to get to see that even more so than we did in, in, like, the prequels.
0: Right. And I think that that's also a, a pretty classic way to tell a story. Like, you know, um, I have to bring up The Sopranos legally every day. And so, like, the first couple of seasons of The Sopranos, even though a lot of bad stuff happens, you're seeing these guys sort of at the top of their game. And then over the course of the rest of the show, you see their world collapse around them. So that's this isn't, like, something that Soul and, and Kevin Scott and co-created, but you know it um it just it just puts a little bit too fine a point on it but mm-hmm. I, I I see what you're saying you know there are I mean all the Jedi here are doing things that I feel like if, if if our Jedi ever saw them doing this they would be like I didn't realize a jedi could do that
1: yeah it's really it's really wild and I think it's Honestly, it's something that I really appreciate because I think we thought, we've always kind of like thought that like the prequels were that, you know, we're going to see them at the top of their game. Um, but clearly, and especially I think like over time, the reading on that has changed to the point where we all kind of realize like, oh no, they're, they're pretty far gone by the time we even like get to them in, in Phantom Menace. So now we're like really getting to see like what the real peak looks like which is interesting.
0: It is, and, and it's, it's one of those situations where, on one hand, I want to see more of them at their peak, but I don't know how much will remain interesting of them at their peak after too much time. Sure. Um, um, so yeah. Let's talk about these Jedi. Who is the Jedi that you want to talk about first? I mean,
1: I feel like the main one that's kind of being – the focal point of all of the the early promo material and really the book in general is um avar Chris mm-hmm.
0: yes I agree so avar Chris is a jedi master um she is not on the jedi council but she is a jedi master um, which I, th- this is the first time that I can recall in a new canon novel where we are getting sort of a differentiation between Jedi knight and Jedi master. I feel like that was something that in the original films were sort of thrown around uh like it, almost interchangeably and even in the prequels we never get a real sense of like the the difference between those two things. We we get I a, think like the Go ahead, sorry.
1: I was going to say I think the only time that we did is like specifically in um episode 3 you know Anakin is like put on the council by Palpatine but, but he's is not a raised to master right. yeah he's right. still just
0: like a knight and he is pissy about it Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so she is a Jedi knight and she she's a Jedi master rather and her particular gift in the force is that she can almost act and I'm going to use this term uh purposely as a conductor she he, she sees the force as like a musical song and so she can connect people together and help basically build build connections between Jedi so they can all work together and do these amazing things. What I really like about this is I think that if we thought about all the Jedi that we know from later era stuff, we can see that they do have different talents, but I feel like it's never been this clear that there are specific like, that each person sees the Force differently and that impacts how they use the Force. There's a lot of information in here about how the Force works in a way that I don't think we've ever really seen before.
1: You, you mentioned Avar Kress sees the Force as, as like music or a song and through her we kind of get the the viewpoint of like other Jedi and how they see the Force and Soul kind of creates this idea that's never really been explored before at least i don't that i know of of like all these different ways that that the jedi see the force which is really interesting and and goes a long way i think towards um kind of like fleshing out the characterization of all the different jedi and making them unique in a in a really like fast and effective way
0: yeah i i totally agree um so we also get we spend a little bit of time with a bunch of Jedi. Uh, we see her. Um, a, are you saying Avar or Avar? I don't know. <laughs> I, that that that's the one downside of Star Wars novels to me is I never know how to pronounce anything. <laughs>
1: sure. Um, yeah. Let's say Avar. I think, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't okay. know.
0: Uh, Avar has a uh, a partner in crime here who is not yet a a Jedi a Jedi Master. He's Jedi Knight. His name is elzar man and he is sort of seen as a little bit of like a i don't know if you want to call him like a a, a loose cannon jedi i don't really mean that but he doesn't play by the rules as yeah much.
1: he's a bit of a rogue a little
0: bit yeah. um yeah and you know again i don't want to get too deep into this stuff I want folks to read <laughs> it. um but, but what are you laughing at
1: well that they're they're their arc in the book I think is very interesting. Well that's
0: what I was going to say is I think that their arc is really interesting and I think it it plays upon like a certain Obi-Wan story we get in Clone Wars it uh-huh. plays upon a, a theme from the prequels. Um uh, yeah it somewhat plays upon a thing from the end of Rise of Skywalker. Um depending how you read a certain act y- at the end yeah. of Rise of Skywalker yeah. like um and what I like about it is that I think Soul does a good job here in a couple different instances, but in this storyline in particular, of presenting things that, like this, if you're thinking of this as Camelot, right, this should be an era of black and white. Like there is good and there is evil. There's not as much gray area, you would think, but their story very much plays out in gray area.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, like, one thing that Soul does a really good job, like with them and. Some of the interactions between some of the other characters he he like touches on this a lot in the book, and that is like even though this is the golden age, essentially, or it's kind of supposed to be presented that way, a lot of the same kind of human pitfalls that you see in the other movies are still present here. They're just not having to be grappled with yet. You know, the situation situation isn't so dire that these things are really coming to a head but you can see that that's still all under the surface and you can definitely see how over the, the progression of a, you know another couple hundred years how these tensions really kind of begin to to broil over and and kind of lead to the stories that we're familiar with um we, we get you know issues with like relationships issues with like militarization use of violent force, um, you know, a lot of these kind of like tough topics get touched on in some pretty interesting ways.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Uh, I, I, I hope that we see their relationship play out a little bit more. Um, I'm we'll, sure
1: we will. Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and we, should, we should take a moment here to pause and just say that there's going to be a lot of High Republic stuff coming out. Um, (laughs) yeah. So every month in star Wars insider, there's going to be a new short story. There's the Marvel series, which is six issues long there. I don't know how long the IDW star Wars adventures high Republic series is going to be. Um, but there is, uh, a junior novel that is out right now that is written for like middle grades. There is a young adult novel coming out in February. Um, that aforementioned IDW comic comes out in February. Um, um, the next novel in this line by Kevin Scott comes out in May, I believe. So, uh, June, I think. Oh, June. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, but so we're, we're getting a, a fair amount of these of these books. There's also, which I have read to my son already. There is a children's book uh, that is essentially the first third of this book in a children's book version as well. Plus stickers. Who doesn't love stickers? Um, I love stickers. But so there there is a lot. A lot of stuff coming out so I I feel like anything that's interesting in this book there's probably a story to be told for that And, and that is I will say it's also maybe that's one criticism I have of the book is that there are times when you when it it really feels like they are specifically threading the needle for you to pick this up someplace else like you meet a character who doesn't really fit but you know that that will become important in a story down the road
1: yeah it it, it's interesting because like i definitely it was definitely there but i at times i don't think i would have noticed as much if i didn't already know like what was coming right you know or um you, you could kind of tell like i i can't think of there's a point like towards the end of the book where a character who has not been in the book the entire time is mentioned and i i'm like oh i'm pretty sure that's one of the characters that one of these other books is about, and I, and I checked, and it was like, oh, yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, but the other pair of Jedi that we should probably talk about I mean, there is, so uh, there is a, um, we see like a trend a Transdoshian Jedi, uh, scare, who, um, you know, like Bosk is Transdoshian, Again, I don't. Who knows? Um, and we get uh, a couple of other Jedi that we meet. That are that proved to be a little bit important. but there's a Padawan and Knight combination um, that plays out really they, they become an incredibly important set of characters in the book. and um, the Padawan's name is Bell and I can't think of Bell's last name now.
1: I think it's it's something like Zetaafar
0: yeah. Um, I'm I'm looking yeah Bell Zafar Bell Zfr and then his master's name um is like one of the one of the sillier <laughs> Star Wars names we get here but I I'm all about silly Star Wars I love that um uh Dave Filoni's character in the Mandalorian his name is trapper wolf <laughs> like, I, I love that so much uh so Zach why don't you fill us in on what the uh what his masters and what, what master Lauren's Last name is or
1: low lo. It's Loden. Oh, sorry, Loden, Loden. Yeah, yeah, Loden. Great Storm. Great Storm. Um, <laughs> which feels like very um, it's like very high fantasy, high fantasy. You know, it's like medieval sword and sorcery type thing. Yes. um
0: <laughs> Yeah. Uh, just, and he's a just twi'lek like... Yes, he is a twi'lek and um, we, his story. For the first like three quarters of the book, is very much in the Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Here is a dope Jedi Master who is doing a pretty good job training his Padawan. Um, he has he has a sense of humor, which they mentioned in, in the book, um, and you know we we get a little bit of of just a personality of Loden. And then at the end, it takes a really sharp turn. Not, not his character, yeah. but his story takes a sharp turn, and
1: which... it's it's great. Yes, <laughs> I think. Um, yes, it is such a good. Yeah, such a good turn. I really think, man, the, the last third of this book is just wild. I couldn't um, put it down. It goes so much harder than it really even needed to, <laughs> um, in a lot of ways. Yes, uh, it was really good um but yeah his the that pairing is really interesting um they're on a uh, a jedi outpost for part of the book which is um uh, on a world that actually um i double checked this uh charles soul introduced in the rise of kylo ren comic book um the jedi temple that they go to in that book is oh interesting is this one um in, that's in this book which is interesting and um there there's a few other jedi that are in that part of the story that I think are also really really well handled yes. um bell bell has a pet ember or the, the it's named in, ember it's a char hound yes um which uh, is like a dog that can breathe fire <laughs> <laughs>
0: um we should just mention a couple other characters here There is uh, Nib Asik, who is Jedi Knight, with um, their Padawan Buriaga, who is a Wookiee, um, which is fun.
1: Buriaga may be, like, one of my favorite characters in the book, I think. I want so much more Buriaga
0: content. Yes. Handled totally well. Yeah. Just just really, really uh, very, very well handled. Um, We also get... There's a husband and wife team who are essentially they are there at the um at the inciting event and they after that happens they're they're not super important to the story but they hang around a little bit i, I don't know if there's too much for us to say about them um
1: yeah um i think they they they're fun characters they're um I I guess there, there is like a pretty good smattering of like non Jedi characters, which this setting I think just has the potential and like, is clearly very just Jedi centric. Um, but they, they are one of the good, uh, examples of like non Jedi characters that are used pretty, pretty frequently and and play an interesting role in the story.
0: Yes. Um, the other non-Jedi characters we spend a little bit of time with here before we get to the villains of the story are Marlo and Velis Santeca and they are um, they're essentially like folks who made their money mapping hyperspace or finding like finding hyperspace lanes and just uh, you know working in the hyperspace realm I
1: think they call them like hyperspace prospectors prospectors yeah and
0: uh they're basically like they're they're wealthy young men who seem like they have the world by the balls and they're 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 nice but they're not like there's something mysterious about them which you find out a little bit more about later uh we don't spend a ton of time with them but i've the little bit i have seen people are very mad about the, the fact that this is a gay couple really yeah
1: I have not seen that. I shouldn't be surprised, but the
0: the reason that I saw was that so basically, so Santeca is a name that comes back into play in The Force Awakens. Um, the character played by Max von Sydow is a Santeca, and mm-hmm. they're also
1: also in that uh, Charles Soul Rise
0: of Kylo Ren comic yes. as well, yeah. which, I, which I have not read yet. Um. Oh, you should read it. It's uh, not great, but it's interesting. <laughs> okay, um, but you know the argument was that like, well, we have to establish a Santeca bloodline, and how could there be children from <sighs> as a fuck off? Like, come on! Oh my on.
1: gosh! Like, <laughs> there's so many like both, like. Logical, everyday explanations and also like science fiction explanations <laughs> yeah, that you can use to get around that. It's absurd. Yes, yes it is. But you
0: know, <laughs> this is the world that we live in, Zach.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, uh,
0: and so, uh, aside from the antagonists of the story, is there anyone else you want to talk about?
1: I'm trying to think. um Well, kind of tangential to the Oh, San there's Tecas. one person. I'm
0: sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Are you talking yeah. about? Uh, yeah. Go ahead.
1: Uh, Ke- Kevin tar Yes. I think is his name. Who's this kind of like technological wonder who shows up early in the story and, and plays an important part throughout. And I, I like, I don't know about you. I got such suspect vibes from him throughout the whole story. Um, he, he never does anything uncouth, but um, I I wonder what his deal is going to be over the course of this whole thing.
0: It it seems like there has to be more of him, right? Yeah, I would imagine there has to be more of him. He's um yeah, he's a, he's a fun character though. He's uh huh. Um yeah,
1: there are a couple others. There's a uh, a senator from I'm pretty sure it was Sereno, which is the planet that Count Dooku is from. Yes, um, who's kind of the representative clearly like not the only one, but he, he is kind of like the avatar for the outer rim throughout this whole book. Um, he and his aide are pretty interesting. Um, I would say that's like the only other one who really stands out. Oh, and the, and the Admiral there's that one Admiral. Yes. Yes. Who, uh, who I just could not stop picturing as, um, a clone trooper throughout the whole book. I just had like, yeah, I just, Tamura Morrison, he 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 was tomorrow morrison the the entire time in my head because i like clone wars has uh warped my brain
0: interesting okay uh yeah so why don't we let's take a quick break and we come back we'll talk about the antagonists of the story and just sort of wrap up our conversation about the book in general
1: Hello podcast listeners. We're the hosts of the DC3 cast. I'm Zach.
0: I'm Vince. And I'm Brian.
1: Each week we discuss most of the new releases from DC Comics, focusing mainly on Rebirth, Wildstorm, and Young Animal. We also look at the news of the week, discuss the film and television adaptations of DC material, and dig into industry rumors.
0: We've also had a number of DC creators on our show, like Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Christopher Priest, Steve Orlando, and Joshua Williamson. So, if you like Borat jokes, my my wife. Wife. bad to end to Dio impressions, this is bad? What the f- And an in depth look at DC
1: each week, join us every Wednesday morning at multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. Come get Juergens
0: with us okay so the, the the villains of this story are a group I have been calling them kind of the the nihil is that how you've been saying it
1: so on the live stream they called them the Nile
0: the Nile okay all right yeah to know.
1: not not like a hard age yeah right. so, soft yeah
0: the Nile okay um and the, the we we don't know a ton about the Nile although we get a fair amount of their history but you know so essentially they are they're space pirates And they have the ability to travel through hyperspace differently than other people do. So, for instance, um, think of it as like a grid where everyone else travels horizontally, but they are able to travel vertically as well through hyperspace. And so that allows them to pop in and out of places very, very easily. And it is... It is it is suspected from the beginning that they are what caused the crash that leads to this whole story. Um, there are sort of four key characters of the Nile, and uh, one of them is known as the Eye, and he is the person who provides the the Nile with these pathways through hyperspace, and he he basically is he gets a third of any of the money that is made. He is the tie breaking vote. So if anyone votes against, if there's ever a tie with his vote, his his vote breaks the tie. So he's, he's seen by the other members of the, of the Nile, like a, um, sort of a, a person who has too much power. Like he doesn't, he doesn't risk his, his neck as much as the others do. And he's given all of this power. Um, the other members of the group are, are basically just space thugs. I, some of them are, are a little bit fun, but I don't really have too much to say about them. Um, do you... yeah, they're
1: pretty they're pretty one note characters. like the there's uh, of kind of like the three the three main ones. and then you know everything below them, they're just very much generic space thugs. The three have like some defining features. None of them are particularly engaging or likable. In any way, right. um, but it's okay because Martian Rowe is like just the wildest. <laughs> yes,
0: Martian Rowe is the eye, and he is—he—he's um, he, an insane villain. <laughs> I, I don't know how else to say that. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, he is like—he's very much cut from the same cloth as like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Was, I think, he's like more Grand Admiral Th- Thrawn now than I think like current Thrawn is, really. Yes,
0: yes he is very much like um, Star Wars Legends Thrawn. Yeah,
1: he's like Zon Thrawn, like old Zon Thrawn, um, where he. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't want to like say too much because uh, there's just so much stuff that happens towards the end of the book. Um, but he's just um and a really really fascinating character um he he kind of is like i think he's not like beyond critique because he just does some he, he he some of his like leaps of logic and like the the way he can manipulate things are just insane but also he has these mysteries surrounding him and and when you kind of learn more about what the eye is and like what the eye does and how they do it um, and you get the teases about his history which are like I say teases they are just so vague um but it's it's just tantalizing stuff you know
0: um yeah that's yeah. uh that's an excellent way to put it. i i was I was struggling with how to talk about him because I don't want to spoil too much, but I don't know how you talk about him without spoiling some stuff exactly. yeah. Um, but I you know, what I found interesting about this is I had thought that because we're setting this th- these stories two hundred years in the past, you know, we're not, i I did not think there'd be an overarching villain for this entire whether it's for the entire high republic era or just the first one which is called light of the jedi that's the name of the first um like you know first phase of this i didn't think we would get an overarching villain necessarily i, I didn't watch that live stream so maybe they said this on the live stream but i'm sort of glad that they that we are only because i think star wars works better when there's clearly defined good guys and bad guys mhm I mean I, there's always room for gray, but I feel like there needs to be a, a central conflict. Yeah. In Star Wars. And so this this sets up a nice conflict.
1: Yeah, and it's one that's just like totally different than the Sith stuff. Yes. Um in a in a good way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um is there anything about the sort of overall overall plot you want to talk about before we uh before we move on to something else? Um I don't I
1: don't guess so. Um not not necessarily about a plot. I think we I think we mostly covered everything without getting into spoiler territory.
0: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. Um so I, I, I do want to say that the the way this is being published is a little strange. So the novel came out on Tuesday. And the first issue of the Marvel series came out Wednesday, and I did not realize that at the time, and I read the first issue of the Marvel series, which kind of spoils some stuff from here.
1: It it does spoil a really big thing. Um, I held off on reading it just because I I just wanted to read the book first, and I, w- I would recommend everybody do that because, one, like you said, it spoils something, and two, I just like – I don't think that first issue is a very satisfying read on its own. Um, No, it's, it's
0: pretty bad. I think actually,
1: yeah, like it, um, it's not really that engaging at all without the context of the, of the main
0: book. It also does something. And this is not necessarily, um, this is not necessarily a spoiler for it, but there's a character in the book that is trying to pass their Jedi trials, and something happens and seemingly interrupts those trials. And then at the end of it it's like, oh no, that was actually the trial all along. And it's such a bizarre, convoluted trial that would put literally millions of lives in danger. It just seems so dumb. I, I can't it just it's a really, really poorly written comic. And I have not read a lot of Kevin Scott stuff. I read his um he did that dooku Novel, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't love that either. I mean, I, th- um, I thought
0: that was okay. I, I thought there was some, there was some. Did good you stuff read in it that. or
1: did you listen to I it? I listened to it. I did too, and I, it, it, it had some interesting ideas. I think it mostly fell apart towards the end.
0: Yeah, um, I, I'll agree with that. I, I guess I liked that more than I disliked it, but I also. If you ask me what happened in the book, I could tell you a couple of things, but yeah, some of it is 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 sort of lost to the the washes of memory. Um, but so that that does have it has me a little bit worried that Soul is not writing the next chapter of this story. Yeah, it seems like they're rotating a lot through like
1: the different genres. So like, you know. They're all doing one type of genre, st- or, or not genre, I should say, but uh, like age group. Um,
0: right. They're or, kind of rotating or, through or the medium. age group.
1: Me- yeah, sure. Or medium, yeah. Um, because you know, like in the next batch of books, Cav- Kevin Scott is doing the adult one. Um, I think uh, I had them all pulled up here. They're all they're all kind Claudia of Claudia Gray along. is
0: doing the first um, young adult novel
1: yeah and then justina ireland who did the uh middle the ju- grade the, the book this novel, time yeah. the junior novel is moving out is doing the young adult book next time um so they, they're kind of like rotating around Um but um soul hasn't been announced for any new projects yet um and yeah i i get what you mean i'm i'm a little nervous about it too the the concept of what it looks like, the Kevin Scott, the next like uh, adult book, what it's going to be, just based on the cover, is really interesting to me. By the time you get to the end of the Light of the Jedi and you see who's on the cover for Rising Storm, then it's like, oh, this could be interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm a little nervous, um, but we'll see. I I think like comics are really. It is, I think, like, when well, Kevin Scott has done a lot of the, like, High, uh, not High Republic, the uh, Star Wars Adventure comics, which I've not read. Those and
0: are pretty those fun. Are,
1: yeah, I've not read those. So, like, he definitely has some comic experience, but I don't know. Yeah, this first issue, it just, it, the pacing on it was weird, like you said, the kind of... Uh, idea behind it was weird it ended in a weird really weird way um, i have no
0: idea what happened on the last page
1: i i think i do and we can talk about that after because it's kind of a spoiler yeah um, I, I, I
0: i is it him just like being upset at the thing that happened
1: i read it as the same thing that happens to one character at the end of the light of the jedi is happening to him too okay
0: interesting okay that Maybe. was my read sure. that may be wrong sure I like that read better than my read, so that's good. Um, Yeah. Um, All right, well, the the one thing I I do want to end this conversation on is that there is going to be a Star Wars High Republic TV series that was announced at the Disney Investor Day, which takes place 50 years ahead of The Phantom Menace. And so I guess because species age differently we may see some of these characters in that tv series um but i would it guess probably not reasonable yeah I would um, guess some, probably maybe
1: not. some um like some of the mostly some of the alien characters i would think not a lot of the
0: human ones right, like, i would think that bariaga maybe would be a uh you that'd be that'd be great <laughs> show up there um, yeah it is pretty fun
1: um kind of on that same line like we all knew that yoda was going to be in this but there were a couple of jedi from who who were on the council in phantom menace who were in this book too yep um which was interesting and uh i think there were two others besides yoda no yaddle no uh, Yaddle. sorry everyone yep. no yaddle <laughs> um but, yeah, and I think you and I had kind of talked when that was first announced how it was weird that they were going to be getting to, like, the end of the timeline already, but chances are that show doesn't come out until, like, late 2022, early 2023. So, you know, by then it might be kind of more in line with the books. And who and I kind of expect this to jump around a little bit. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get later down the line like a a Martian row solo origin book or something like that right, right. um or you know a book about havar and and elzar and stellan when they were kids in the in the temple or you know when they were padawans or something like that 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 seems like a pretty low hanging fruit uh middle grade novel um or young adult novel yeah, I, they they have like some leeway with, you know, they don't have to just move forward necessarily. We definitely right. want them to, but like, there's a lot of room.
0: Well, that's like, so here's my big question that I want to kind of end the conversation on: Do we think that the High Republic is going to be something we're going to be seeing stories still set in ten years from now, or is this going to be like a three to four year? Blast of stories, and then it's kind of isolated off. Because, in on one hand, I could see the series, the name of which I am desperately trying to remember without looking up, but I don't think it's going to the, be there. the TV show. Yeah. uh
1: The Acolyte.
0: The Acolyte. Thank you. um I feel like, on one hand, I could see The Acolyte acting as the capstone of this event. And then we kind of leave the higher public for a while. I mean, I'm sure they'll come back to it at some point. But do you think this is going to be a setting that we're going to be seeing continuously, or is it going to be sort of a focused timeline for a little while? Um,
1: I mean, I guess it definitely just depends on like how successful it is. Um, yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I definitely think we'll you know we'll get to see these three phases plays that play out. I, I guess beyond that it probably just depends on how su- successful it is and how much inter- interest there is like on Lucas film side to continue it. Mm-hmm. Um, like how, how much effort or, or resources they want to contribute to it. Um, you know, cause right now it's just confined to books, comics and that, and, and then that one TV show that we know about. Um, but are we going to get video games? Are we going to get well? We already actually kind of have, we've had some video game crossover. They've done some VR stuff, um, but like a like a big kind of tentpole video game. Are we going to get um, a movie?
0: You know, yeah. eventually
1: that it kind you know I don't know how big they want to make this.
0: Did you see that there is a Chinese language only ebook right now? I did, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to find a translation of that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, it's it's really interesting. That was like the first thing that came out even. Yes. It, that was like the first High Republic media, which is just really weird. Um, I know I know, Disney wants to tap into that Chinese market and or they want Star Wars too. And I, I think like traditionally Star Wars hasn't done very well
0: in it that It just market. seems wild to me that they've said there is no plan to release that like yeah why would you do that to me
1: yeah i mean i imagine um i imagine it'd be pretty tough to make it worthwhile just because with like translated media it's really hard to kind of capture the the tone and the writing of the original language and it can come off as not great yeah so maybe that's maybe that's part of it i don't know
0: yeah i'm not sure um anyway any any closing thoughts on this on this series
1: man i really liked this first book a lot um i'm pretty much planning on reading everything um they also announced i don't know if you saw this there is a um going to be a youtube uh, uh a youtube show called the high republic show that's going to air every month that's um kind of just like a behind the scenes look Mm -hmm. at everything as and like interviews with the creators and stuff um so that'll be kind of interesting to follow they kind of hinted that that might be the place that you get new announcements and things first so um they're definitely putting a lot of uh resources and energy at launch which is which is reassuring, I think.
0: Yes, absolutely. I feel like this is this is being set up to succeed, and in this new Disney hierarchy where films don't matter anymore, yeah, it's going to be very strange to see how all this plays out. Hmm. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, thank you, Zach, for stopping by. I'm sure this won't be the last time you and I talk High Republic on this show. Um, uh, it seems like this is going to be a, a semi-regular thing, probably. At least when these novels come out, we'll probably do one of these episodes again. Um. Mm-hmm. And follow Zach on Twitter at WilkerFox. I am at Brian Needs a and, and remember, the Force will be with you always.